Welcome to Big SEC Guys. I'm your host, Daniel Poppy Southers, and this is my co-host, Tucker, the damn good dog, Compton. We are the Big SEC Guys. They're the Big SEC Guys. All right, guys, welcome to the Big SEC Guys podcast. Today, you just have me, Tuck. Uh, Dan is off gallivanting up in the uh, in Highlands playing in the memory guest with his father up there. Best of luck to him. But he's left me high and dry this week. And, um, you know, we're going to give this thing a whirl, see, see what it takes to do a one-man podcast. I, obviously, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast, uh, much less one by myself. So we're going to see if I can keep you guys entertained for the next 45 minutes, just talking into a mic and, and see if I just have enough to say. Uh, we'll see how that goes, though. Um, as we talk about this upcoming slate of SEC games, we've got an awesome week coming up. Um it's a good SEC week, not the best SEC week, I would say. But as far as college football as a whole goes, this is a really awesome week of football. Uh, we've got a ton of top 25 matchups. I think we've got something like the record of, of top 25 matchups uh, in, in recent history and as far as college football goes. So, I'm going to hit on all these SEC games. Don't worry. We're going to talk about all that, but I'm also going to hit on some other games. I mean, I mean, we got Florida State and Clemson battling it out. We got Notre Dame and Ohio State battling it out. So we got some games with some real playoff uh, contention and potential. And, and we've got, you know, moving and shaking type games this week that I, I feel like I'd be remiss to not hit on them. And truthfully, it's just me this week, so I get to do whatever I want. So, Dan, sorry if I go off of the SEC a little bit. But, you know, we like to branch in to do a little bit of uh, a little outside the conference action every now and again. I mean, when we had Corey on, we did the Colorado and Colorado State rundown. He gave us the, the bet of the week going with that Colorado State pick. So, um we're going to go down that line, and and I'm going to hit on a couple of those games. And Daniel has sent him his picks to me, so I, I'll kind of tell you all what I think he's going to say um, based off of who he's picking here. And then, you know, we're going to run with it that way. But we're going to start down the slate. Uh, we've got, you know, a, a few little uh, games with, uh, as I like to call them, D2 type schools uh that that we've got coming up i'll start off with uga since obviously that's my team um and, and we're playing uab this week not too much to be said here so i i'm not going to run down the line but the bottom line for georgia right now is getting healthy uh we've got auburn next week auburn's starting to look like this kind of sneaky scary team we we thought they might be at the beginning of the year um, they, you know, are, are one of three schools that I really see in the future schedule for Georgia uh, of teams that can beat us. Uh, so for Georgia, this UAB game, 
I, I see us taking it very easy. Uh, I see UGA probably not looking the best this week, truthfully. I, I, I'm not expecting anything. I, I'm not expecting Georgia to come out and, and putting up a bunch of points. Um, I, I'm not touching it from a gambling standpoint because at the end of the day, a Georgia-UAB game really boils down to how much Georgia cares uh, and, and – how hard these guys are playing truthfully if i were to take it i would probably do plus 42 points because georgia just hasn't seemed to start off their games very well we've been uh slow out of the gate and i don't really see that changing this week like i said a uab team now it is a night game in sanford so that that'll be fun with the lights on and everything i know uab is probably gonna be pumped up about it uh, I believe their coach Dilfer came out and said that a night SEC game is a better atmosphere than the Super Bowl. So that was kind of fun to listen to this week as someone who's, who's been to the Super Bowl and he and he's saying that that SEC night game atmosphere. Now I don't know if it's the UGA UAB night game atmosphere is better than the Super Bowl. I'm I'm not going to quite go down that road, but you know an SEC versus SEC matchup. I think at night with the lights on. You've got everyone who's been tailgating, getting rowdy, got a few extra hours of drinking under their belt. There's just not much like that out there. And it just goes to show you, and it's not to harp too much on this quote, but it is why I love college football. I I do think the atmosphere is just different and better than the NFL. And it's one of those things that you, you can't really feel it until you're there. And that camaraderie of coming from a college and the amateurism of the sport and everything that works together to just make it great and, and make everyone get that much more excited for their team. Um, but enough about that UGA UAB game. At the end of the day, UGA will handle business. It, it shouldn't be a game where Georgia's ever scared or anything like that. But I also don't think that they're going to look super sharp because I, I think this is a get healthy week. I think it's a prepare for Auburn next week and get in and get out of there and hopefully unscathed without any more injuries. And hopefully we can get some more guys back and then practice for next week against Auburn. Uh, similar game here with Florida and Charlotte. Uh, Florida is 28 point favorites over Charlotte with a point spread at 49 and a half. I, you know, Again, this is a cupcake game. I'm not going to really look too much into, you know, who, what we should look for and stuff. But I do like the fact that this Florida team has really locked in their identity. It seems like they understand how to or what to do and, and how to, uh, you know, run the ball. That their, their offensive line obviously enjoys blocking more for running the ball. When they run it a majority of the times, it allows Graham Mertz to get a little bit more time in the pocket. And I think when they're selectively throwing and they're working off of that play action, that that's really what they want to do. And, and they should be able to do whatever they want against Charlotte. Um, there's no real reason why they shouldn't be able to just run it down Charlotte's throat and do similar to kind of what they did against McNeese. And if they're just running the ball all game and they're able to run it at will and they wear down that defensive line, I I don't 
I think that this line is too low for them. I, I, I'm actually taking Florida minus 28 here. Uh, I hope it's not a situation where Florida kind of comes off and, and they have a little bit of a hangover from that Tennessee win and they, they play real slow. I'm thinking, you know, the fact that if, if they were a high-flying throwing attack, I'd be a little bit more worried. But because they're more of a ground and pound, I think it'll really just be getting back to business as usual. Um, and, and they should be able to run it down Charlotte's throat. Uh, that I have no – I saw this line and I thought it was a little bit too low. Uh, I just think that they should be able to handle Charlotte with ease. And I think their defense will hold Charlotte relatively low as well. Um, I, I don't see Charlotte scoring – more than 10 points here, maybe 14. Uh, but, but Florida really, you know, just establishing the line of scrimmage early and, and taking care of this game quickly. Uh, we'll move from there. Let's see what other layup games do we have this week? Oh, we got Tennessee versus UTSA. So this is a Dan lock of the week. Dan, Dan's picking Tennessee here. Uh, Tennessee is favored by 21 and a half points over UTSA. Uh, I'm not touching this one. Tennessee to me has just, you know, I don't mean to just continue to harp on the issues of Tennessee. I do think that the more I look at that Florida game, it was a situation of strengths versus weaknesses. And Florida just had the perfect game plan and executed it perfectly. Uh, I mean, Florida's got dudes. And so, when they played Tennessee last week, it was just kind of one of those. It was one of those coaching things where, where Florida established the run, they held on to the ball, they managed the clock, and Tennessee just got behind early. And that you, if you get enough three and outs against Tennessee, their defense starts getting weak. I, you know, I, I would tend to agree with Dan here. I do think they come out. I mean, this is kind of a game where they come out and flex their muscles and uh, their wide receivers should be able to get a little more separation from D-backs at UTSA than they are against Florida. Uh, I think it will be a good step for them to, you know, work on accuracy, getting back into their rhythm on offense and, and seeing what they can do against a lesser opponent. Um, what other games we got here? Any other huge lines? No, and that's really it. So let's go into, we'll get into the Missouri Memphis game. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you, I I've sat there down and watched a lot of Memphis football this year, but I did look back and, and I, I looked at their statistics and I, it was one of those things at first, I was surprised that this line is sitting at six and a half points uh, in favor of Missouri. It's, uh, you know, less than a touchdown and it is moving in Memphis's favor. And so I was like, well, I got to look into this Memphis team a little more. And they have a really good balanced attack on offense. Uh, it seems like they run the ball and throw the ball both effectively. Uh you know, they, they kind of ran it down Navy's throats and won that game last week. So this is a good football team. Um, what we have to worry about, honestly, for me, is, is which Missouri team is going to show up. We got into a point last week where we saw a, a Missouri team that we hadn't seen yet. 
that they threw the ball, what, 35 times against Kansas State. I mean, I don't know what that was all about. We, we hadn't seen that, but it it, it was it worked. So are, are we going to see them stretch the field more, try to throw it more, let, let Brady Cook cook? Are, are we going to see Luther Burton III just tear them up like they did Kansas State? I mean, I, I think that's what they have to do. I think they have to, you know, it, it, this is going to be a very similar game to the Kansas State game where, it, where it's probably going to be pretty equal at the end of the day. I, I think, you know, they both have decent uh, balanced attacks. I do. I, I think Missouri against MTSU, they ran the ball way more than they threw it. And the result of that was an ugly win that they scraped out. And then they kind of flipped the script over here with Kansas State. And they let Brady Cook get in his own bag. Uh, and Brady Cook really went out there and showed everyone his full potential. I, I do think it was the best game of Brady Cook's career. Uh, can he duplicate it? Uh, I mean, these are the kind of games that you need to put together if you're going to show that you've taken that next step forward from the year prior. And, and you know, it's not like he doesn't have the weapons. Uh, they've got incredible wide receivers at Missouri. Um, so, I, you know, in my mind – if they let the QB and wide receivers do their thing, get the ball in the hands of their best players, then they should win this game. But I am scared. I, For me, Missouri has just – they're so up and down, and they've proven that they're up and down so often – that I can't trust them to have back-to-back good weeks. And I will say Dan sent in his picks, and he picked Missouri in this one, and I completely understand why. That I mean, that Missouri team that we saw last week against Kansas State seemed to be a completely different Missouri team. Um, but I don't trust him, and I'm actually going to battle Dan on this one and I'm going to go with Memphis here. I I just think this is a letdown game for Missouri. They showed out last week. Their adrenaline's high. They're probably a little beat up from this crazy game where they had to kick a 61-yard field goal. And Memphis is going to come out and show them what they're all about. Uh, and like I said, this Memphis team is good. And I think that they can easily – you know, just stick with Missouri. Now, at the end of the day, will Missouri win or Memphis win? I just think it's a field goal game. I don't think it's a touchdown game. I think this game is going to be exactly like that Kansas State game. And the more I looked at Memphis, the more they reminded me of Kansas State with a good balance attack, mediocre defense, but, you know, they're going to score some points uh, and make some stops. And at the end of the day, that Kansas State-Missouri game ended up being a field goal differential. And I, I just see this one being similar. Um, and, and Missouri maybe uh, – Missouri just might have a little case of playing to their competition. And so, I, I, for me, I see this Memphis team maybe winning this game, but definitely keeping it close. 
And now, time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is actually sponsored by The Cottage Shop, the premier wedding shop in Savannah, Georgia, and your one-stop shop for wedding registry, fine china, calligraphy, and custom invitation design. The Cottage Shop, where weddings happen. So let's continue forward here. What do we have? Uh, Kentucky versus Vandy. Battle of the SEC East powerhouses here. What? What is Kentucky? You know, that, that I think is a question that has yet to be answered. We, me and Dan did our power wing rankings in the last podcast and we both had Kentucky pretty high. I, I believe we both had them in our top five or six in the SEC. And, but it's simply because they've kind of done what they're supposed to do against lesser opponents, which, you know, to their credit, that's great. That being said, it's not like they're putting up 63 points against these guys or, or doing anything crazy. They're, they're just, you know, Winning 35 to 3, 41 to 7, you know, those kind of wins. And, and what again, that's kind of what they should be doing. But we haven't seen them up against an SEC opponent yet. Um, Vandy, on the other hand, has had a series of tests uh, out of the gate. I mean, they, we kind of knew early on when we were talking about Vanderbilt hitting their over under, which you know, is looking less and less good as the season goes on, especially after losing to uh, UNLV last week. But they they just ha- haven't quite lived up to the standard. But but we do kind of know who they are. I, I mean, their offense is pretty good. Their defense is pretty bad. Um, I do think they've got really good receivers on the outside. We love AJ Swan. Um, he seems to still make a mistake or two a game, though, which is costing them. Uh, and so, you know, again, we, we, we've we seen Vandy. They, they have played in multiple games this year, multiple close games. They're battle-tested, and this is, you know, a, another good game for them to come in. Now, they are 13-and-a-half-point dogs to Kentucky. Um and I think deservedly so. I think that Kentucky is better than Vandy. Uh, but, again, you know, it's a game that I'm not going to touch. Me nor Dan touch this game. We don't have a bet on this. Uh, and that is, I think, solely because, at least I can speak for myself here, we don't know who who this Kentucky team is. I mean, Devin Leary has looked pretty good out of the gate, but – are they going to continue to do that once they get into SEC play? I mean, Kentucky typically is a pretty reliable team. You know, we, we can typically rely on them to handle a Vanderbilt. They, they normally beat who they're supposed to beat and lose who they're supposed to lose to. Um, but are they going to beat Vandy by two touchdowns? I, I don't know. You know, it's in Nashville. Not that that really says anything about this game. I, I mean, Vandy's home field advantage is not a plus. I think more people from Kentucky will use it as an excuse to go visit Nashville. Uh, but, you know, it, 
I just maybe Vandy at home has some magic here, plays Kentucky close. I am excited. I think we will know more about Kentucky after this week, even though it's still Vanderbilt and they are, you know, the they are the bottom of the barrel in the SEC again this year. Um, but Vandy, you know, last year had a couple good upsets. And and is this going to be one of their upset wins? Do they hop back on the horse after losing to UNLV and get, get their fan base excited again? Uh, or, or do they just go ahead and mail it in for the season? Uh, I think that's kind of where we're at with this team. And this game is really going to show us a whole lot. All right. Um, let's move on. We've got... I'm going to save the CBS game of the week uh, for the end here. But let's get in this Auburn A&M game. Uh, we've got A&M favored by seven and a half to eight. Kind of seeing this line moving towards A&M. Um, and I think it's because of the matchups. You know, when I really dive into this game, for me looking at offenses versus defenses, run game versus D-lines, passing game versus D-backs. For me, this really boils down to how well can Connor Wagman throw the ball against this Auburn defense. I think that, you know, this Auburn team hasn't had a test like this really all year. Um, You know, the – They've been, they had a good game against Cal early in the year, a low scoring brawl kind of thing that they were able to, to pull out. Uh, and, and as SEC podcast, we thank them for that. Thank you for taking care of your cross conference opponent, since seems like no one else can do that nowadays. Um, but, you know, it is it's still Cal. Uh, I mean, how good is Cal? And so, I, I think that if Connor Wagman can throw the ball against Auburn's defense and look good doing it, and I think that Evan Stewart can have a big game against this Auburn defense, then I think that they handle Auburn. Uh, because the truth of the matter is AM's biggest weakness is their secondary. And Auburn and Peyton Thorne have not shown us any – really single stat or glimmer of hope that their passing game is ever going to be staunch. Um, I, I think that it's close to the bottom of the sec as far as throwing game goes. Now they can run it pretty well, but I think this A&M defensive front is really good. Now their D back should be good too, but we learned against Miami that A&M just doesn't, I don't know that their secondary just does not seem to be living up to its potential, but their defensive front held Miami to about three yards of carry and it's like 77 yards or something like that. So I'm not, I, I think it's kind of a matchup nightmare for Auburn um, solely because of that. You know, it, it'd be one thing if they could just throw the rock all over A&M and I think A&M will have difficulties moving forward with some of the more pass-happy teams here in the SEC. Um, but the truth of the matter is the SEC right now doesn't really have any high-octane passing teams. Um, 
no one has shown the ability to just throw it all over the place. And, and, you know, Mississippi state now doesn't even run the run and gun offense and they're a run first team. So, you know, Texas A&M is in a decent spot. If they can just sure up that secondary a little bit, I do think that they handle Auburn this week. Um, I've got them plus seven and a half in this game, or I've got A&M minus seven and a half while Dan is actually taking Auburn plus seven and a half. And I'll speak for Dan a little bit here. I know Dan's high on this Auburn team. Dan, Dan stated last week, he thinks that they have a chance to upset Georgia. Again, I think he's crazy solely for the matchup reasons. Um, but you know, they have that Auburn magic. Uh, and it seems like whenever they get a new coach, they pull some something out of their hat. I don't know if it's against this AM team. I I I think Connor Wagman and, and this AM offense has started to look really good too. And though the Auburn defense is staunch, I think AM will be able to move the ball and get enough points against Auburn to handle them. Um, and I just don't know if Auburn's really going to be able to move the ball against them. But, you know, we will see. We will see. Can Hugh Freeze pull some magic? And will this be kind of one of his token wins, get this Auburn fan base excited again? I, I mean, part of me wants them to win for that reason only. I, I, I want to see Auburn fans not sad. Uh, we, I, I've got a number of Auburn buddies, and it seems like every time for the past decade almost, they just seem to be so down and out about the football team. And so, you know, I want to see some Auburn magic again. I want to see them pull some crazy upsets. Now, as a Georgia fan, I don't want to see it happen next week. But if it happened against AM, I wouldn't be upset other than the fact that I'm not picking them. Um, so from a morale standpoint, I would love it. But, you know, for me, I'm picking AM. Dan's got Auburn. So we got another battle here, just like the Missouri Memphis game. Um Let's get to a game for all our South Carolina listeners. Uh, and I guess you could probably guess who Dan picked in this one with the South Carolina Mississippi State game. Uh, Dan picked South Carolina plus six or minus six against Mississippi State. Uh, the game's in Columbia, I believe. I got to pull it up. But, you know, with that game in Columbia, and that Mississippi State team looking as bad as they looked last week, I just don't see how Mississippi State keeps this within a touchdown. I will say the recipe I would like to see from Mississippi State would be a get back to – look, I get it. I mean, I think we were all confused with this offense – out of the gate because it was just so different than what we're used to seeing. And we're like, why don't you let Will Rogers throw it? Why are y'all just running the ball every time? And then we go out against LSU last week. And I think we kind of got a gut check and we're like, Oh, that's why I don't think Will Rogers has a decent handle on this offense. I, I don't think they were talking about in the broadcast about how they've moved it over to a pro style situation. And he's got to, 
learn so much more in the huddle and how to articulate the plays to the players. And I am slightly convinced that he doesn't know what's going on when that play is called. I don't think that he is comfortable. I think he is thinking way too much about what is coming in his head and what he has to tell his players than thinking about football and, and what are his first, second, third options. And, you know, where are they? How hard am I going to have to throw the ball? Where's my pocket going to be? Where's the rush coming from? Those kind of things. And, and if you're sitting there just worried about what play you're calling, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to think about all that. It's, it's tough. So I get it why they kind of have moved towards more of a rushing attack. Now they abandoned that in the LSU game. Are they going to come back to it in the South Carolina game? I would like to see them run the ball. I mean, if you look at South Carolina's biggest weakness on defense, it is definitely the rushing attack. Georgia was able to run at will against that South Carolina team last week once the second half got rolling. Once you got that defensive line tired, they were just running it down their throats. And you got Jaquavius Marks. And Jaquavius Marks is a stud. He averaged almost 10 yards of carry against LSU. Now that was with a 52-yard breakout run and only eight carries, but he was still able to move the ball. And so if I'm Mississippi State, I want to get back to that. But if I'm just basing everything off of what I saw last week, and I think that's really all you can really do when betting, um, South Carolina has made the adjustments. Mississippi State hasn't. South Carolina is adding players to their line. They're helping out their weaknesses. They are making adjustments to solidify their offensive and defensive lines that are weak points in this team. Uh, And then they're letting their best players cook and they're getting them the ball. Uh, I think, I mean, LSU, again, could have won last week about 56 to nothing against Mississippi State, in all honesty. Mississippi State looked inept. And then South Carolina played Georgia pretty well. You know, now is there probably a little bit of heartburn? You might say there is, but I think that, you know, talking to South Carolina fans, they probably took more positive out of that Georgia game than negative. I don't think South Carolina ever thought that they were truly going to upset Georgia until maybe the end of the first half of that game. And then they started getting a little inkling of hope. But in all reality, at the end of the game, once that you kind of let it soak in, South Carolina played well, and you got to commend their offensive and defensive coordinators for making adjustments uh, to their game plan in order to play a top team. I am with Dan on this, and honestly, this was my biggest lock of the week. For all you guys that text me and say, all right, what's your lock? This is it. Uh, I think South Carolina is way better than six points above Mississippi State. My only fear in this bet is that Mississippi State just comes out the ball, comes out and runs the ball 80% of the time and South Carolina can't stop it. Uh, that being said, I really don't see that happening. I mean, we also just from a matchup standpoint, 
What did Malik Neighbors do against Mississippi State last week? We saw him have like 180 yards in the first half on 11 catches. What makes you think that they can stop Xavier Leggett? I mean, I sure don't. I think that South Carolina is going to put up some points here. Um, you know what? Now that I'm looking at it, the over-under here is 50. Give me the over um, as well. I'm, I'm going to double down on this. I, I'm just looking at this now and kind of coming up with it, but I don't see why in the world, you know, I think South Carolina's worst part of their team is their defensive front probably right now, maybe their offensive line, but I think Mississippi State should be able to run it on them. I think they'll score a few touchdowns at the end of the game, and I think South Carolina puts up some points on Mississippi State too. Um, so I want to go over 50 points. That's way too low of a line here. Um, and, you know, that's my me pulling stuff out of the hat, as they would say in the middle of the podcast, I'm talking myself into these bets and uh, essentially this is how I end up losing all my money, but. And now time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is sponsored by Pintail Site Preparation. The team at Pintail is providing the best site preparation work in Savannah, Georgia and throughout the low country. If you need the best site prep team in the business, give Pintail a call. Pintail Site Preparation's goal is to deliver the highest quality, most cost-effective projects on schedule by supporting motivated, flexible, and focused teams, while most importantly, emphasizing on safety. If it's site preparation you want to nail, go ahead and call Pintail. Pintail Site Preparation, the best in Georgia and the Lowcountry. We'll get away from that game now. Uh, Go over to the Arkansas-LSU game. We haven't talked about this one, but... This is a game where we've got – I I see this Arkansas team being very similar to Mississippi State. I just don't think the Dan Enos hire is clicking right now. I, I do think he's a good offense coordinator. I thought he was a great hire before the season, and I still do. But I, for some reason, him and K.J. Jefferson just are not clicking. Um, I mean – Arkansas essentially got shut out in the second half against BYU last week. They came out and I think they scored with about 13 minutes left in the third quarter on their first drive and then didn't score again. And that's essentially why they lost to BYU. All they had to do was put up a couple more scores and they would have won that game. Um, So I don't know what's going on with Arkansas. I'm scared. I I love Sam Pittman, but to me, I'm just scared that he is kind of slipping off and, and this team this year is just really not looking like they were supposed to, especially with a you know a player like KJ Jefferson at the helm. You know, you, you, you would hope that this team looks way better than they do. And I the only real big change for me is the Dan Eno's hire. And so that's why I'm putting a little blame on him. But I think it's just another situation of of people you got to get used to a system sometimes. Uh, You know, you can't just plug and play a whole system, a whole offense coordinator. You can't just do that in in six months. You got to, it takes years sometimes to develop that and and put everything into place that you want to put into place. And Arkansas is just not there yet. Now LSU last week looked 
as good as you could possibly look against an SEC West opponent. Um, I believe the line was around the same. Uh, actually, no, the line was closer to for Mississippi State, and they just absolutely demolished them. Uh, for me, I'm I made the mistake last week of putting my money on Mississippi State, and I think this Arkansas team to me looks a whole lot like that Mississippi State team. And LSU last week was literally just playing with that Mississippi State team. It, it felt like they were just, you know, starting to put up Heisman numbers, starting to make their players look and feel good. They pulled them, you know, I think towards the end of the third quarter, they they pulled their second string in, and they still just absolutely handled them. So I don't see why LSU wouldn't win this game by more than 17 and a half either. So I, I'm, I'm picking LSU. I, I think that they just take down Arkansas this week and, and handle business and, and continue to look like the best team in the SEC West. So now we're on to the final game. We've got Ole Miss versus Alabama. Game of the week. I think for me, this has been a game that I have thoroughly been looking forward to. Um, it's been one of those where I don't know really what's going to happen. Um, anytime you see Lane Kiffin starting to joke around and jest around in conference rooms, throwing these little jabs out about their throwing out jabs about their uh, defensive coordinators um, and just starting to mess with people's heads. You know, it's just pure entertainment. And then obviously you got the Lane Kiffin return to Alabama effect. I think in years past, uh, especially last year, I feel like Lane kind of just shoots himself in the foot in this game. And I don't know why he, he tries to do too much sometimes. Um, and, you know, the, the game last year was really close. I think Ole Miss had a legitimate shot at winning the game last year. Uh, but then they just started making mistakes throughout the game, and, and Alabama took advantage of them and handled business. This year, you know, we've got a whole different situation because Alabama doesn't have a quarterback. They still have a top-five defense, I think, in the country. I think their defense got better this year than last year. But I also think Ole Miss's defense has gotten better this year than last year. Um, and Jackson Dart has looked really good. I mean, you can't complain about 852 yards, seven touchdowns, and one pick. So it's one of those weird games where – Ole Miss, to me, I, I say weird. It, it's weird to me because I I have been down on Ole Miss. Uh, while everyone is hyping them up, I, I've seen them number two power rankings in, in the SEC time and time again. I don't think they've earned that spot. I think that they you know, can turn it on when they want to turn it on, but then they kind of take it easy sometimes against lesser competition that they've played, and we'll see how that goes. But it's really a toss-up game for me. The, the real thing I want to see is 
Ole Miss's rushing attack. If they can get, I'm not saying they need to average eight yards a carry against Alabama. If they can average three and a half yards a carry against Alabama, I think that they have a real chance at winning this game. If they are getting away from Jackson Dart being their leading rusher, who is their leading rusher right now, then I think they have a real chance at winning this game. Um, Alabama, you know, obviously we got Jalen Milrow back. I don't know what the last week issue was. You know, I'm not going to pretend to speculate, but there's all these rumors of things in the locker room, coaching struggles, this, that, and the other. And truthfully, if you look back, to the preseason, I think those speculations were there too when we, when Tyler Buckner got pulled in. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, so that's where we're at with this quarterback battle. We don't feel good about anyone if we're pulling Tyler Buckner in here. So how do we feel um, if we're Alabama fans about this game? For, for me, I just – I see this game as kind of a toss-up. Um. Part of me wants to bet the under in this game, but I'm not going to make that bet on the podcast because that's that's just a lame bet. I did it last week and lost my under bet by a half point, and I just felt so shitty about it. So I'm not betting any more unders on this podcast. I'm, I'm going to try to stick to point spreads, or you know, I might hit an over every now and again. But look, at the end of the day, offensively, Alabama needs to scheme up some Jalen Milrow runs. That's what they need to do. It, they can't just have him sit there and try to be a pocket passer. That's not what he is. It's not his identity. They need to get him out of the pocket. They need to give him some RPOs. They need to give him some just good quarterback run plays. And I think he will succeed. I just think that's who he is. Um, he's never going to be a step back and sling it. Now, can he throw the shell of the ball downfield? Yeah. I mean, take those shots. I mean, you got to take those shots so that you can keep those safeties back. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm the only, only reason I'm taking this game is because CBS game of the week. I, the end of the day, I don't really know. I think Ole Miss is overhyped. Uh, I think we kind of know what Alabama is, but I, the line for me being a touchdown in the favor of Alabama, for me, I just see it as more of a toss-up game. I see this game being close. Now, will Alabama win? Maybe. Um, but by a touchdown, more than a touchdown is what they have to win by to win it. I, You know, I'm picking Ole Miss. And Dan's taking the same thing. So, so we've got a lock agreement there like we do with South Carolina. So there's our SEC slate, gang. I hope I, you know, did as well as I could on my own here. Just to recap, kind of our SEC bets because that's what we'll post out there. Me, I have Florida minus twenty eight. I've got Memphis plus six and a half. I've got Ole Miss plus seven. I've got A and M minus seven and a half. I've got LSU minus 17 and a half. I got South Carolina minus six. And I've got 
over 50 points on this game. Dan has Missouri minus six and a half over Memphis. Tennessee minus 21 and a half over UTSA. Ole Miss plus seven over Alabama. Auburn plus seven and a half over A&M. And he is riding with his Gamecocks per usual, picking them plus six for once. I do kind of agree with them. Um, I do think South Carolina is better than Mississippi State, so we'll go with that. Now I'm going to pull up here some of our other games of the week because we've got some good ones, guys. And I I think just sticking to the SEC this week is a mistake. I think we need to go down to the top 25 and start with this Florida State-Clemson game. It sounds crazy with how these two teams started. Clemson getting just slammed by Duke, score-wise at least. I do think it was kind of a gimmicky game. Um, I still think Duke deserved to win. I do think, though, if they played that game 10 times, you know, I, I think Clemson probably wins it more times than not. Uh, they shot themselves in the foot. It felt like every time they got into the red zone, they would just fumble the ball or, or drop it or, or do something. And it was just one of those kind of crazy college football games. They, it's one of those games you don't really see in the NFL yet because you got young kids and they get more nervy and, and they start doing things. And, and that's how you get fun upsets. Um, and that's what happened in that Duke-Clemson game. It felt like K. Klubnick was just so nervy that he just continued to make mistake after mistake. Um, while Jordan Travis, on the other hand, with Florida State, week one did the complete opposite. They came out to LSU. I mean, he couldn't have looked better. Guy was calm, cool, composed. This LSU team has continued to just look better. Um, and I don't think – I think everyone's kind of looking into how Florida State has played since. I don't think you should look at those games. I mean, they – I'm pulling it up right now. Look, they had a close game against Boston College, but they kind of had that game handled. Boston College came back in the fourth quarter, put up some points against them. And so, you know, I I think that Florida State has kind of taken their – foot off the gas a little bit here since the LSU game and they absolutely despise Clemson. So there's no reason for them to keep it off the gas. I think that Coleman, that wide receiver goes off against LSU um, or sorry, against Clemson. At the end of the day, Clemson has looked really good the past six quarters of football. I, I do think Clemson has kind of found a little bit of an identity on offense and they're pulling things back. And Clemson is the hot pick for that reason. But for me, I do think that I, there's a level of people that are clutch and not clutch. There's people that get nervous in big time situations and there's people that don't. This is going to be a big-time situation. The line here, let me make sure I got it right, I believe it's Clemson by just two points. 
So, yeah. Or no, Florida State by two points. So less than a field goal for Florida State, which means I think by all indications, this is going to be a really close game. And who do I trust with the ball in their hands at the end of the game in a tough, close game fighting for, you know, possibly the ACC championship? I trust Jordan Travis more. I, I think he's proven it. I think he's got better weapons on the outside. Uh, if they need to sling the ball, I think that he is going to turn it on again. And I think this Florida State team after this week, you know, is going to be looking really good and, and like a, a almost shoe-in playoff team. So I'm picking them in this game. And then we got the other big game. We got a number of good games here, guys, but – I'm just going to hit the high ones that I know our listeners want to listen to. Truthfully, I don't think we got too many Penn State Iowa fans here, so I'm not diving into that. But the final game I'm going to talk about here is Ohio State-Notre Dame because this is a fun game for a number of reasons. A, you know, good rivalry game. These teams don't like each other. Um, I think it's going to be fun. And anytime you get to see a game at Notre Dame, you have to get a little bit excited up in South Bend. I, I mean, I have personally gone up to a game there as a Georgia fan when we played them. I don't know, was it six years ago? And it was one of the coolest campuses. It It really epitomizes for me kind of college athletics. You know, you got that stadium right there in the middle of their campus. It's truly a college town. You walk around the campus, you feel the history, you feel there's something different about it in the culture. And I, I think the the facts of the, the religious aspects of it are there too. And I, I do think that there's this little sense of spirituality when you walk on that campus. Uh, that you don't get at most campuses. Uh, and so it's it was really cool to be there. So I, I think that this game, being there, just makes it even more special. But Kyle McCord hasn't looked stellar. Uh, and Sam Hartman, whew, he has. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. You're wondering, is Notre Dame, did they end up looking better getting rid of Tommy Reese. I mean, did losing him end up being the best thing for them? Because getting Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman looking this good with a new offensive coordinator, it's like, you know, I if I'm a Notre Dame fan, I'm excited. But, you know, it, it's one of those things, I'm pulling it up right now. Notre Dame is averaging over 500 yards a game right now. That's not Notre Dame football. I I don't remember Notre Dame putting up over 500 yards ever. So, you know, typically as an SEC fan, we've seen Notre Dame consistently come up short in big games. And I think, you know, when we had Jack Davis on the podcast, he had his lock of the week being NC State over Notre Dame because NC State is that dark horse team that, that pulls those upsets over those teams that are overrated. And I think Notre Dame showed in that game they're not overrated. Uh, this isn't some flash in the pan 
situation. I, I think them having a quarterback is a differentiating factor for them. Uh, and I think their offensive coordinator is doing a really good job with them. And they've got a good balanced attack. I am just really high on Notre Dame. Call me crazy. I, you know, it's one of those things. I can't believe a Notre Dame, Ohio State line being at three points and me picking Notre Dame. If you were to ask me to do that over the past decade, I would have taken Ohio State every single time. But Ohio State, kind of like the rest of the teams at the top, has just looked okay. I mean, including Georgia, including um, Michigan, including some of these other top teams. I mean, Washington's probably looked like the best team in college so far. And Notre Dame has looked just as good, if not better, than Ohio State. And they've got another game under their seat already. So, for me, Notre Dame, they're home dogs. I I kind of want to pick them money line. I think they beat Ohio State this week. I think that this Notre Dame team is legit. I think that they honestly might make it to the playoffs. I think they're going to be the dark horse team that slips into the playoffs this year. Now, the more and more I've been watching them, I don't think anyone gave them much of a shot preseason because I don't think anyone thought that Sam Hartman was going to make as big of a difference as he is. Um, but I will have my eyes closely tuned in on that because whoever does win that game, as a Georgia fan, if we you know continue to get better and hopefully make it to the playoffs, no, whoever wins this game is probably a team we're going to see there. So I'm pumped to see it. Great slate of games this weekend. I will be glued to my couch. I know my wife is actually going to Nashville for a bachelorette party. So I will probably just be sitting by myself drinking copious amounts of Miller Lite, watching all this awesome college football this week. And I'm excited to do it. But that's enough hearing from me. Thanks, you guys, for listening. I'm out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Big SEC Guys. We are now on Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. Please follow, like, subscribe, and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. The end.